that I did for the church that's ever run. So take a look. It's going to be on the screen. It's going to blow your mind. This project never saw the light of day here, ever. I sat right over there near where you two are sitting, actually, after an 11 o'clock service and cornered Pastor Drew, and I said, I want to show you this idea for a vision I have to expand the brand here at the church at Seven Run. And you can flip through all of the slides back there. Um, and it never came to be, as you can see, because Pastor Drew very quickly was like, this is great. Let's just scrap it all and start over. <laughs> and so we did. And the very first thing I did here that you guys probably don't know is as a volunteer, I rebranded this church. Pretty much everything that you see or touch, I either helped design or designed myself, except for the logo. That keeps me humble. And it was hours and hours of time that I loved doing and loved creating and loved making this place kind of bring it into the 21st century with modern graphic design. Because before I came along, it's what we like to professionally call um, the graphics here were hot mess express. Like they were everywhere. So it was so fun to do this. It's how I came on board and I made the file so complicated that they had to hire me. And so that's how I got my job here. I pretty much volunteered my way right into relevancy, right into a job role here at the church at Seven Run. I thought that a few graphics and a new website were going to be my only and very secret silent legacy here. But now, eight and a half years later, I'm standing here on this stage, which I swore to never get on, and I'm talking to you here in the sermon part of the service. And so that leads me to the main thing that I want you to walk away with today. And it's this, God will use your involvement in a local church to completely change you. And then he'll turn around and change that local church through you. First, before we go too much further, I'm going to do some cultural untangling. I like to do this with our faith because we often swirl up things in our culture and things that God said and make them the same and they're just not. So here in America today, we often have a skewed view of what church is. We see these big flashy lights. We see this big stage. We see the great graphics. Well done, John. We see the talented musicians. And we think, I'm here because they have their life all together. And I'm here to learn how to get my life all together. So we walk in and out every Sunday and we think, I'm going to get my life more together. I'm going to come here and learn how to get my life together. And then Sundays pass and Sundays pass and your life isn't getting more together. As a matter of fact, if you're like me, you're probably getting a little later every Sunday. And your outfits are less on point each week. And then your kid shows up wearing pool flip-flops to church on Sunday. And so you think, this is not working. I'm not getting it more together. I don't know what's going on here. Well, that is not exactly how church is set up to be. As a matter of fact, I think Paul, who was one of the earliest church planters, it's probably where we need to travel to to understand what is it the church actually is. So let's go back. We're going to visit Ephesians 4 and see what the earliest church planter Paul has to say about the church. Here we go. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do 
that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. There's wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between the spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. All these gifts have a common origin, but are handed out one by one by one spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life, which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger and more comprehensive. So we often see church and modern day American culture as something we come to, something we put on our calendar, something we get in our car and drive to, something, something we observe maybe online or in a worship center. Sometimes we get more involved with church. But this is not how Paul describes church at all. Paul describes church as something you're integrally part of, that you don't exist independently outside of. So when I say that your involvement in a local church will forever change you, the very first thing you have to do for yourself is redefine what the church is. Some of you out there today, I promise, are probably wondering, is church really even worth it right now? Right? I mean, last year you went most months not being here, and you survived, and you're fine. We made it. So you're asking yourself, is being involved in a local church, is it even worth it? I don't know. Here's what I believe. And I joke, you know what? They can't, they can't fire me anymore, so I guess I can say this from stage. But this part of church, this part right here, where someone stands on a stage and talks at you, and then you get up and you leave, and then you come back next Sunday and somebody talks at you, this part is not worth it. It has no potential, no power to change your life. So what part of a church can, in fact, change your life forever. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a minute to look around the room. Look at all these people around you. Do you see them? See your neighbor? Yeah? You guys are quiet. Now look down at your hands. See those? Yeah, your own actual hands. Your neighbor, that person's real. Your hands, your involvement in this community, that's very real. Look at the stage, isn't it great? Look at these fancy lights. John just changed a lot of the bulbs here so it looks really bright. All of this stuff, that cushy chair you're in, this is just an environment, it's a building. It's as good as a concert hall and it can do nothing for your faith walk, it will do nothing to change your life. What can change you forever is the body, your body being involved in this body. Your heart's commitment, your heart's involvement in this body is what actually makes a church a church. So 
redefine what church means for yourself to understand where that life change can come from. Here's the thing, the people that I have met who have most been changed by a church, they turn around and then absolutely most change the church themselves. And they treat this experience, this Sunday morning gathering with the same idea, the same heart posture. And so in order to unpack that, I want to go to more of Paul's words. In Romans 12, he talks more about the body of Christ. He talks more about how we can use our gifts, how we can treat each other, how we can act together as one body. And this is how he starts out that whole chapter. He says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. The thing that I've noticed about the people who are most changed by a church, and then they turn around and do the most change inside of a church, the thing that I've noticed that they do every Sunday morning when they come here is they walk in and they practice a rhythm of surrender. They know that this building is simply an environment that triggers a practice, triggers a rhythm of surrender in their life. And that's where the life change starts to come in. They walk in and they hold their gifts palms up. They're reminded that God loves them. He calls them their well-loved child. He has given them something to do that shows who God is and he equipped them to do it. They also know that they benefit and everyone benefits. They walk in surrendered. The thing is, we all need a rhythm of surrender. We all need that as Christ followers. It's really easy for me up here on the stage right now to talk about easy things to surrender, like a big ego or bad habits, right? Like we all know that stuff. But more people, I think, need to surrender something that's more subtle and actually much more powerful. And I bet it's something you've struggled with. I've struggled with it. It's how we view and identify ourselves that we need to surrender. The truth is, in my journey here on staff, I've met very few. Actually, I'll just go and say it. I haven't met any sociopaths who don't know that they're, not, that they're broken. I've met zero people like that. I hope you have met zero people like that, unless maybe that's your line of work. But there are very few people in the world who don't think they're broken at all, who think that they don't need Jesus. But do you know who I meet every single week? You know who I bump into all the time right here in our church and in every church I've been into? It's people who don't believe they're worth it. People who think they're not worth God's love, God's grace, who think that their voice doesn't matter, who think that they're too broken to matter, who think that their gifts were either forgotten or useless. I bump into those people in church all the time. I've been one of those people in church myself. But When I watch the people who have been most changed by the church and turn around and change the church the most, what I see about them is that they are surrendering the lies about themselves. And they're remembering that God calls them his well-loved child. I've learned from them that that's who I am. And that's who you are too. The truth is God deeply and infinitely delights in you. He's so proud of you. He loves you so much. He would go to the ends of the earth for you and he called you his well-loved kid. He's so pleased with your efforts to follow him and to reveal him to the world. He sent Jesus to show us what life lived closely in step with God looks like. And that life is life and life to the fullest. And then he went as far as beating death itself to say that the love that he offers you, the identity that he gives you is not out of reach that even death can't stop it. That's the good news. God calls you 
his well-loved kid. So my challenge for you today, as you redefine your role in the church, is to make a habit to surrender any other identity that you have outside of God's well-loved child. When you come here every Sunday, practice that rhythm of surrender and then look around the room and realize that every person here is practicing that type of surrender too. They're laying down every lie about themselves, trying to remember that God calls them his well-loved kid. Then ask, what's my next step of surrender? My guess is that it's going to be God working through you because that's the promise he makes. Even in Ephesians, it says everyone gets in on it. On it. Everyone benefits. We all together experience his fruits of the Spirit when we all together work as one body. He doesn't leave any one person out. One huge lesson that I learned early on in my staff career is that a church, a local church community, is not run solely by people who get a paycheck to do it. Honestly, I came in here and I thought, okay, I'm getting paid to do this first part-time, now full-time. I have to spend all of this time doing the job, getting things done, making it happen for Jesus, and I'm going to solve a lot of problems. But what I quickly learned is that's not the case. The truth is it's actually pretty anti-biblical to elevate one job over another. It sets a church off kilter and askew when we elevate certain jobs and then don't participate ourselves because that's not how a body works. A body needs your full attention. A body needs its full involvement. So being a part of the body of Christ, we learn that our gifts matter. Everyone benefits. Everyone is in on it. Staff, early on, I learned very quickly that when I held on to all the work and when I held on to all the vision, not only did I become incredibly unhealthy, my husband didn't want to be around me probably, but the work wasn't very effective either. And I'm not going to lie, as an introvert and somebody who appreciates a well-done project that I did all by myself, it's kind of humbling to realize that I need people around me. I need people around me because that's how the body works. That's how the church works. So lucky for me, very early on in my career here, I started bumping into all of you. And you guys are insanely talented. And I started bumping into those of you who shared my vision and were, who were highly talented and decided that you were going to own your role in the body and offer your gifts so that this body could contribute. This group of people who are made up of both high-level professionals and hobbyists became known as the Volunteer Creative Team. And I have learned absolutely so much through this group of people about how the church works and what it looks like when it's running well. Here's the truth and what I believe and I will lay claim on. We survived as an online community last year through the pandemic because of eight and a half years of quiet volunteers showing up faithfully week after week after week to give their gifts for this community. They've been working quietly behind the scenes, toiling away, laying their part of our church's foundation so that we could do exactly what God has called us to do in our community. And because of them, we made it. God has honored their quiet, behind-the-scenes work and their joyful contributions. There are so many people who are on this team, but I have to take a minute to embarrass some of them, okay? There are people who have contributed to the creative team here at the church at Severn Run who have basically done it like a part-time job for free, like Elaine and Aaron and Tina, 
those ladies probably should have gotten a bonus. <laughs> there are people who have learned a new skill, like Janelle and Fran and London, and now they've contributed it to our community and led well. There are people who have given faithfully for years, both of their talents and of their finances to see the vision that God has put on their life come together, like Dave and Jocelyn and Becca and Dan. There are people who have done faithfully, joy-filled hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of service that you'd never know about. People like Katie and Jenny and Sherry and Curtis, Jonathan, Bernadette, Clay, Jim, Ryan, Lawanya, Jamie, Chris, Laria, Carlos, German, Jesse, Andrew, Desi, Sylvia, David. This just scratches the surface of the people who have served in our church community with the volunteer creative team. There are also interns out there who have come and served with me, like Paul and Alex and Lauren and Jacob and Isaiah. They've made such a huge impact, but you'd never know about it unless you cornered them and asked them about it. Again, these are only a few of the names who have served alongside of me in the last eight and a half years. And I promise you, every one of you sitting here has either read something they've written, you've seen a graphic they designed, you visited a webpage they built, you watched a video that they shot and edited, or you walked through a decorated space that they can made look beautiful for you. They have made an impact on your Severn Run journey, and you didn't even know it. Why do these people do this? Why do these incredible people come and serve with me for free? Because they believe this, what Ephesians 1.19 says. They believe that and understand that the incredible greatness of God's power is available for those who believe in him. They believed it for you. They believed it for this whole church. And I really hope they believed it for themselves too. I am not sure what your role in this church community is right now. As a matter of fact, very vulnerably, I'm figuring out what my role in this church community is now too. <laughs> but I am very sure that God is going to show you. I'm also quite sure that it's going to be messy, very, very messy. You're going to screw something up. You're going to do something you do not enjoy at all. You are going to do something you're terrible at. It's going to be humbling. You're going to quit something. You're going to overcommit and you're going to undercommit and fall off the radar. You're going to get weird feedback from somebody, for sure. Somebody is going to straight up tell you they don't like what you did. <laughs> there will be rough stuff and bumps all along the way as you get involved in this community. Here's the other thing I'm sure of, which makes it all worth it. You're going to learn more about yourself. You're going to get a deeper understanding of love and grace. You're going to change somebody's life for the absolute better. You're going to get the gift of standing in a back corner and feeling God smile over you and say, you did this. And you're going to be okay with not getting the credit out loud because God did. But he sees you. You're going to watch somebody get baptized that you know you had an impact to get them there, even though you're not the one dunking them that day. Then you're going to watch that person come up out of the water and get involved in this community in a brand new way. And you're going to be so proud of how they've stepped up. Being a part of a local church community will change your life forever. And then you're going to turn around and change this church community forever. 
getting ready to close my time with you this morning. It's been such a privilege. And as I do, I wanted to just take a minute to do an exercise together because that's kind of my thing with you guys over the years. We do exercises together. And this exercise is designed to help us practice the posture of surrender and also redefine what our role in the church looks like. It's a posture because God honors the bodies he puts in the body. So the physical participation helps, right? You don't have to even move, but I want you to do it. The posture is just like this. All of the volunteer creative team members knew this was coming because every person that's given me the honor of leadership in their lives has heard me tell them to create with open hands. It's something I really believe in. And if you don't have your hands up, I can see you. (laughs) Create with open hands. This posture is very vulnerable, very vulnerable. There's nothing you're controlling when your hands are like this. Let's pretend this little heart is my gift and I offer it with open hands. I am not in control of what happens to my gift in this posture. It may sit here forever. It may get picked up and used exactly as I hoped it would. It may change somebody's life for the better. Somebody might pick up this gift and throw it on the floor and stomp on it. This gift may be taken, used, and then God may circle back around and give you something completely new and different to hold. The thing about serving, the thing about contributing and being a part of a body with this posture is that your gift is used with absolute perfect timing and perfect impact because you've given it to Father. So being a part of a church community is going to change your life. And then this is going to turn around and change that church community. We're going to participate together in something called a breath prayer. I love breath prayers because it's actually the name of God itself is just the sound of it's Yahweh. He's in you, living in you. So I like to practice breath prayers because nobody taught me until I was an adult. So breath prayer. I want you to take a minute to close your eyes. Keep your palms up. I can see you. Keep your palms up and take a minute to picture in your hand, similar to how I had my little heart, your gift. Picture it resting in your palm. Take a minute to offer that to God and say, this is my gift, palms up. As Ephesians said, this gift originated in God's spirit. God himself is behind it. This is your prayer. On the breath in, say, this gift originated in God's spirit. On your breath out, say to yourself, God himself is behind it. And just repeat those phrases as you breathe in, breathe out, palms up. This gift originated in God's spirit. God himself is behind it. This gift originated in God's spirit. God himself is behind it. Some of you out there have started to curl your fingers in and lower your hands. And I know why, because I am you. The voice of shame is sweeping in and saying, this doesn't count for you. Your gifts don't matter here. You don't even have good gifts. Friend, I want you to release your hands, open them wide, send your palms because that is a lie. Slow your breathing, 
Slow the voice of shame that's creeping in and telling you an untruth. Picture for a second above your hands, God walking towards you, smiling. Now picture him resting his hands gently on top of yours and saying, hey, you are my well-loved kid. Everybody's in on this. Everybody's included. You too will benefit. Your identity is not forgotten. Your identity is not flawed. Your identity is well-loved child. Your breath prayer goes like this. On the breath in, I am God's well-loved child. On the breath out, I am in on this too. I too will benefit. I am God's well-loved child. I am in on this too. I too will benefit. We're going to take a minute to just be quiet and practice the breath prayer that God needs you to practice right now. Keep your palms up because posture matters in surrender. And practice the prayers. They're going to be on the screen if you need a reminder. This gift originated in God's spirit. God himself is behind it. I am God's well-loved child. I am in on this too. I will benefit. ask if you're on staff or on the prayer partner team to just come forward and make yourself available. Our final song together, it declares that every heart burning with God's glory is holy ground. And I believe that's you. God has declared you his well-loved kid. When we choose to bring him in and reflect him, we are conduits of God's glory. I believe that God is going to work through you to change lives. And it's going to be because of your, be because of your posture of surrender. It's been, going to be because of your acceptance of your identity as God's well-loved kid. As we sing this song together, I want you to take the moment that God needs you to have. Because this place here is not for performing. It is for surrendering together. So if you need to sit there with your palms up and practice your breath prayer, do that. 
If you need to stand and sing, do that. If you need to come forward and speak to someone, then do that. Because this place is here to help you practice the rhythm of surrender. Friends, your involvement in a local church will change you forever. Thank you so much for changing me.